Well, look, today I want to take you on a journey. We're going to be starting a journey for the next couple of weeks uh, in a series that we're calling Travel Light. Travel Light. And this series is about life being uncomplicated. Living life in an uncomplicated manner. Living with a freedom that some of us have yet to know. Living with deep and true joy. Now, I realize that for some of us, that sounds like pie in the sky. For some of us, that seems abstract. It appears to be a fantasy, a dream in the middle of the nightmare that we're living. And I would submit to you that God says differently. I would submit to you that God declares that you can travel light in life, that you can actually have joy, that you can actually live with purpose, that you can actually have freedom to express yourself freely before God, to be a light in this world, to have overflowing joy flowing through your life. And I want you to consider what Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28 says. These are the words of Jesus. These are not my words. And I want you to take in consideration that we put our confidence in what God says. Not what I say. So look at what Jesus starts off by saying. He says, come to who? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and what? Burdened. And I will give you, this is a big one, say this with me, rest. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle, humble, and humble in heart. And you will find rest where? For your souls. For your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is what? It's light. It's light. Let me read this to you from the original Greek language. The English gives us some limitations. And so you got to really study this out. So I'm just going to give it to you the way it is. We didn't put it up on the screen. But he says, come to me, all you who are toiling with wearisome effort. Those of you who have come to a place of exhaustion. I'm just tired of the way life is. I'm, the, I'm just tired of the same rat race that I've been running. I'm just tired of getting the same results. And he says, you who are loaded up with burdens, I will give you refreshment and you will recover your strength. Amen. Amen. Take up for yourself a balanced life as you continue on this journey with me. And gain understanding from me. For I am gentle and meet you where you are. So that you are recreated with the, within the deepest parts of your mind, your will, and your emotions. For your coupling to me brings grace. And a life lived in service to me is light. I want you to see something. That God does not call us to a life filled with weight. Filled with weight. And so the question is, why does life feel that way often? Today I want to invite you to lean into God's word. As we talk on the topic, it's not that complicated. Kind of turn to somebody, turn to three people and tell them, it's not that complicated. Tell somebody else it's not that complicated. Listen, life is not that complicated. It's not that complicated. 
Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been so excited to go on a trip? To get away, right? To maybe go on a vacation, right? Some of us, we get so excited that we check out. Like, we just literally check out, right? But my point with that is this. If you're like most people, and you really get excited about getting away, some people, you know, we're so excited that we just get everything off the calendar, right? I mean, we clear the calendar out, right? We make sure that we get everything done that needs to get done, right? We, 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 and then we, we, we get so excited that when we're about to get to the point that we're ready to go, I mean, the day is near, the flights are booked, we're about to get on that boat, we're about to jump in the car, whatever, as that day approaches, we do the most peculiar thing. We pack. I want you to think about this. We're not just, we, we, the aim is to get away. But we pack. And we don't just pack, we pack up. And we don't just pack up, we overpack. You know what I'm talking about? Now, ladies, you might be able to relate to this, right? No such, there's no such thing as packing too many shoes for a vacation. Right? Now, fellas, I'm going to tell on myself, that's me. Because you got you to gotta have a pair of shoes for every shirt and every pair. That's just me. Right? But, but for some of us, we're of the opinion there's no such thing as packing too many shoes. But have you ever thought where they're taking you? For some of us, we, we're so excited about going away that we never want to go away alone. So we bring as many people as we can with us on vacation. Hey, you want to go away? Let's do a family vacation. You bring your family, and you bring your family, and you bring your family. And in essence, what we're doing is we're packing people. Can I tell you what happens when you pack people along the way of life? Life gets hard. Because people come with problems. Come on and tell somebody. Ain't that true? Ain't that true? It's true. It's true. We pack people. And for some of us, we just have to pack extra. You know, just in case this situation comes along. For some of us, here's what that sounds like. You know, you might as well pack a thick sweater and bring some snow boots because you never know if in the middle of July in the Caribbean, a snowstorm is going to hit. And so we pack unnecessarily. Let me ask you a question. What are you carrying in life? What are you packing? What are you holding on to? I know it sounds ridiculous, but isn't it true that for some crazy reason, we have this tendency, this propensity in life to accumulate stuff, to carry stuff. It's like we need all this stuff when we travel. We need all this stuff for life. And I submit to you, what are you carrying? And I want you to consider this question once again. What are you carrying that weighs you down? What's heavy in your heart? What's heavy in your mind? What's heavy for the journey? What's that thing that you say, man, if I could just let go of this thing, if I could just carry this thing, what is it? And why 
do you continue carrying it if you know it's not worth it? I believe that the answer to that lies in our resistance to believe the simplicity of the solution in the words of Jesus. Let me remind you what he says. He says, come to me. He says, learn from me. He says, you will find rest for your souls. You'll find rest. You know, I, I get it that life comes with challenges. There are certain things we just can't avoid at times. I get it. We have responsibilities. But the thing is this. What are you picking up along the way? What are you becoming conditioned to? What, are you, what, what, what is it that you hold on to, that you cling to, that leads to regrets, negative attitudes, hurts, unbiblical beliefs, selfish desires, unforgiveness? Get this, self-righteousness, pride, insecurities. What's all the stuff that you're carrying along in the journey of life that complicates it? According to the words of Jesus, we can conclude this with certainty, that what we carry, we cling to. We cling to it. We cling to it. We are ever present in the moment with it. We're aware of it. We're protective of it. And what we don't realize is that what we cling to eventually clings to us. Listen, it becomes so commonplace, it becomes so normalized in our belief, in our perspective, in our attitudes, that we carry it and we don't even realize that it's weight. We believe that it makes us stronger. Come on now, some of you have told yourself that. You know, I am who I am because of what I've been through. Those things made me stronger, my friend. Dear friend, if you're still carrying it, there's no strength in that. It's weakness. You know why? Because while you're holding on to it, you limit the hand of God and his ability to heal you. Somebody say it with me, travel light. Travel. Tell somebody else, travel light. Travel. Listen, we are built to travel light. It's for that reason that Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 implores us. It teaches us. It commands us. It warns us. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has what? Set us free. He has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This is the reality of where we were when we came to Christ. The day you opened your heart to Christ, you picked up things that you've been conditioned to, you picked up beliefs, you picked up attitudes, you picked up uh, uh, habits, you picked up all these weights in life, and you, you carried them. And the scripture declares that he who the Son has set free is free indeed. So get this, the moment you accept Christ, that day when you came to believe in Christ, it gave you a taste, a glimpse of freedom. You believed, you hoped for something more. You believed that there in fact is a new life, that the old is gone, that the new is come. And so all of a sudden, you let go. 
But watch what Galatians 5 says. In verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again. Don't pick it back up. Why? Because according to the scripture, it is a yoke of slavery. It is a yoke of slavery. It binds you. It burdens you. It weighs you down. It robs you of life and peace and joy and wisdom and blessing and strength. You know, there's a man in the scriptures who was a great man of God. This guy's name was Elijah. This guy, Elijah, he was a man who flowed in the power of God it, to a great measure. This was a guy who followed God wherever God told him to go. This is a man who spoke what God told him to speak. This was a man who did as God instructed. He totally depended on God. And as a result, he walked in power. But one day, in one moment, that all changed. It changed because, you see, let me, let me give you the backstory. The people of Israel had gotten to a place. The people of God had gotten to a place where they began to follow after pagan gods. They began to believe backwards. They began to look to foreign objects, foreign gods, foreign things, foreign practices, foreign habits, and they put their confidence in that, and it was sapping the life out of them. So much so that the king of Israel, a guy named Ahab, married a woman who was a, a worshiper of a pagan god. Her name was Jezebel. The, the pagan god's name was Baal. And so Jezebel impacted Ahab. Ahab led the people of Israel, and it's an entire mess. Everything's going haywire. And so this guy, Elijah, has this fervor, this passion, this fire, this flame, this, this heart for the people of Israel. And he gets compelled by a move of God to impact the people of Israel and point them back to God. And so he does something radical. He shows up on the block and he calls up 400 prophets of Baal. All priests of Baal. And he says, I dare you, I triple dog dare you. I triple dog infinity dog dare you to meet me in Mount Carmel and we're going to see whose God is the one and true living God. And so here's the challenge he puts towards them. He says, here's what we're going to do. You're going to build an altar and place a sacrifice on it and I'm going to build an altar and place a sacrifice on it. And then you'll get to pray and then I'll get to pray. Whosoever God responds by raining down fire and consuming this sacrifice that's the one and true living God. And so the prophets of Baal, they get all hyped up. They go, all right, man, bet, man, we're going to do this. I'm telling you, man, we're going to prove that our God is the one and true God. And so they showed up, right? He says, you guys go first, and they build their altar. They place the sacrifice there, and they begin to cry out to their God, and nothing happens. The scriptures say that Elijah says, hey, maybe, maybe your God is sleeping, right? Maybe he's, he, he took a break. Why don't you cry out a little bit louder? And so they're crying out louder all the more and nothing happens. And they begin to do all kinds of weird stuff just trying to, uh, 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 to get their God to react and nothing happens. And so the people of Israel, the nation of Israel is observing this. And then all of a sudden Elijah shows up, he builds his altar, he places his sacrifice on it. And he says, hey, 
Can you guys do me a favor? Everybody get some water. And everybody dump it on, on the sacrifice. Pour it on thick. Pour it on as much as you want. Wet it real good. And he says, and then I'm going to pray. And so they do so, and Elijah prays, and poof, fire falls down from heaven. And the people of Israel are gasping. They're like, oh, our God is the one and true living God. Baal isn't even a God. And so Elijah takes it a step further. He says, hey, guys, round up all the prophets of Baal. Let's kill them. And so they destroy all the prophets of Baal. A name, the name of God is raised up, and there's this great faith. But you see, Jezebel gets really upset. Jezebel sends a message through a messenger, and here's what the message is. Elijah, I swear to you, if, if what you did to the prophets, may it happen to me if I don't get you before this evening and do worse to you than you did to them. So you would think at this moment that this guy Elijah, this man who operated in the power of God, this man who prayed and amazing things happened, this guy who had a direct line to God, that when he showed up, God showed up. You would think that this man would be emboldened at this moment and he would say, bring it. Bring it. Instead, Elijah does the opposite. Elijah runs. He runs from her. He runs in fear, and he complicates his circumstances. You know why? Because he loads up. He says, hey, everyone, I'm going away, and I'm going to pick me up some fear. I'm going to take some worry with me. I'm going to take some anxious thoughts. I'm going to take a negative attitude. I'm going to take my doubts and my questions, and I'm going to look at all these things that make sense in the natural, and I'm going to trust in the fact that this woman has power and I'm going to put greater trust in what she says than the God who just backed me. He concealed the power of God in the midst of a moment where it was called for. He packs up heavy. He complicates life. 1 Kings 19.3 through 6 says this, that Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He ran for his life. He's trying to preserve his own life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, and while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So he goes from a mountaintop experience with the power of God to a deserted place. He's alone. And there he came to a broom bush, and he sat down under it, and watch what he prays. He didn't pray, oh God, give me strength. He didn't pray, oh God, what should I do? He didn't even pray, oh God, the same way you showed up on Mount Carmel, I know that you're able to show up now. Show yourself strong. Do what only you can do. God, my trust is in you. No, the scripture says that he prayed that he might die. And then... He says this to God, I have had enough. I give up. I've had enough. He said, take my life. I am no better than any of my ancestors. I'm no better than anyone else who made mistakes prior, prior to this moment. Mistakes like me when they ran. I'm no better than them. Now this guy's comparing himself to other people. 
He's looking backwards while trying to go forward and going nowhere. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Now watch this. All at once, an angel touched him. In that very moment, an angel of God shows up and says to him, Get up! Get up and eat! I believe that that is a word from God for someone here today. Maybe here, maybe you're online, maybe you're catching this later on. It's a word from God that says to you, Get up! And start eating something that actually benefits you. Amen. Start filling up on something that actually gives you life. That gives you strength. That provides you uh, what you need for the journey of life. He says, get up and eat. Now watch this. Elijah gets up, he looks around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Now watch this. He eats and he drinks. But then he does the craziest thing. He lays back down. This guy is defeated from within. He is so weighed down by his fears, by his worries, by whatever's going on in his heart and in his mind that he can't even get going. And so what do we see here? We see some telltale signs that are at work when life gets complicated for us. The first thing that we see is that when life gets complicated, when we complicate it, it's because we run for our life instead of running after Christ. Let me say that again. We run for our life instead of running after Christ. Let me remind you, the scripture says that Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Never mind God. Never mind the power of God. Never mind what God wants to do in my life. Never mind that I'm anointed, I'm appointed, I'm called. Never mind that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Never mind that I have been created with purpose and that I have a destiny, and that there's good things that are meant to come from my life, never mind that the blessing of God is upon me. He runs for his life. He stops running after God. He stops pursuing relationship with God. Elijah was running for his life instead of running after God. And, and, and here's what happened when he started running for his life. There was no longer power. There was no longer power. Let me ask you a question, my friend, per, for personal reflection. Feel defeated? Does life feel heavy? Are you struggling? Do you question the presence of God in your life? Do you feel like God works in the lives of others, but it's just not for you somehow? My friend, let me submit to you this. There's no condemnation in this. Maybe it's because you're running for your life. Instead of running after God. You're running the wrong race. You're in the wrong lane. No wonder life is heavy. See, it left him powerless. And let me remind you something, because for many of us, we subscribe. Uh, you know, we, we, we have this song as our theme song. My life, my life, my life, my life in the sunshine. Right? We are so adamant about the fact that this is my life. Well, guess what? If that's your mantra for life, if that's, if that's your motto, if that's your code for life, let me tell you something. No wonder it feels heavy. Because the truth is this, that the life that we have, the breath that we breathe, is a result of a God who has entrusted to us this gift of life. We are stewards of life. We are not owners of it. You're living life as if it's yours. My friend, let me tell you the truth. Start living for God 
and you'll find true life. It'll be light. What else happens when we complicate life, when it, becomes the, uh, when it becomes heavy? We pick up our past and then we question what God is doing in the present. Elijah did, uh, began to look at the mistakes of his ancestors and then he began to equate himself with their failures. He began to say, that's true of me too. That's true of me. That's my story. He began to see himself through their mistakes. And, he resulted in, and it resulted in him seeing himself as less and doubting and overlooking the good that God was doing presently. You know, we still serve the God that the scripture declares that he works all things for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Get this, God is working. The question is, are you still believing? Are you still holding to the truth? Are you still holding on to what God has declared? He's present, he's active, and for some of us, our past is our present because it's present in our heart. Can I say this to you, my friend? If you define yourself by the mistakes of others, if you look at yourself based upon what came through your family line. Well, you know, Pastor, the Bible does say that, uh, you know, that, that, that the curse goes from generation to generation. Let me tell you what the scripture says. The scripture says this, that Christ became a curse on the cross for us. The curse is no longer upon you. You are free indeed. You don't have to live by other people's mistakes. You don't have to carry those mindsets. You don't have to see yourself as less than what you are actually worth to God. You are a masterpiece. You are valuable. You are destined for greatness. God is working in your life. Don't miss a present God because your past mistakes. What else is happening when we complicate our lives? We give up. We give up. Listen, Elijah, his fears and his plan for self-preservation, they robbed him of his faith in God, of his faith in God's call, of his faith in God's ability to help him. He was acting like God was lacking power. And we do that sometimes. When life is heavy, it's because we think that God isn't powerful enough. We take things into our control and it doesn't work. What else do we see? We give up. I'm sorry, we get religious, and instead, we get religious instead of relational. Now, this was going to get close to home for some of us. Let me tell you why. Because here's, in essence, what Elijah does, right? He packs up his fears. He packs up his doubts. He packs up his questions, his depression, his anxiety, all these things. He packs all these things up, and he gets on the road, and then, and then he, he gets before God. The scripture says that Elijah ends up on a mountain called Mount Horeb which was referred to and was known as the mountain of God. This is a meeting place with God. And Elijah shows up in Mount Horeb at this mountaintop. And God wants to meet him there. And he goes and he hides in a cave. Get this. He's in the place where God wants to encounter him and relate to him. And he goes and hides in a cave. And the scripture tells us that God shows up and says to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you in this place of hiding? You know, weight leads to hiding. We hide from God. And so he goes into this place of hiding, and God says, what are you doing here? And watch what Elijah does. Elijah gets real religious. Let me tell you what I mean. 
right? He goes into one of his bags, right? And he pulls out his Sunday best, right? He doesn't just pull out a suit, right? He doesn't just pull out some shoes. My man goes in and he pulls out his monk robe, right? And he says, all right, God, we're going to talk. And he pulls it out and he puts it on and he gets super religious with God. Gets all dressed up for the occasion. Make sure he has his monk belt on. Looks real righteous before God, right? And watch what he says to God in 1 Kings 19.10. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. I'm the most righteous person. The Israelites, everyone's rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with the sword. Listen to what he says. I am the only one left. There's nobody else like me in all the earth, God. I'm the only one. Oh, God, I'm a murderer for you. Look at what I'm doing for you. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me, too. He gets super religious. He begins to talk in Christianese language. Right? He gets super religious. And watch what verse 11 reveals. That God responds to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Listen to what God is saying. Who told you that this is what I wanted? I didn't call you in here, put on your act and your semantics. I'm not asking you for your religion. I'm not asking you for your big Bible that you flaunt so that everybody can identify you as a Christian. I'm not asking you for your righteous acts to please me. I'm not asking you to change yourself. What do you need God for if you have to do the work? What do you have to work? What do you, what, what do you need God for if, if, if it all depends on you? I'm not saying we don't play a part, but we have to remember who's in the lead. And so Elijah pulls out his resume and his Sunday best. And he classifies himself as a martyr for God. And he says, there's none like me. There's none like me. And God just wanted to speak to him. We forget that we're not called to religion. We're called to a relational God. Amen. Amen. Called to a relational God. Can I give you a piece of advice, my friend? I'm not knocking you if that's where you find yourself. But religion stinks. Yes. You just look at history and what things have what people have done in the name of religion is a slight against our God. It doesn't reflect our God. The Bible says that it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Not your religion and your shouting from a street corner. Not your berating people with the word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on and give God some praise that we can be free, that we don't have to live by religious activity. And so there's a couple of things that I want to give you just for application and wrapping up here today that we should accept as truth. Not because 
I'm not giving you an opinion. I just want you to consider the word. But we should apply these. And we should remember that the same God that calls you is the one who loves you. Let me say that again. The same God that calls you is the one who loves you. God doesn't call you into a relationship with himself to burden you. There are some Christians that they, 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 they're so pompous. And they give the appearance of such humility because I am suffering for the cause of Christ. Why are you announcing it? What are you looking for? You're looking for a pat on the back? You're looking for somebody to worship you? We do something for God and we have to announce it to everyone. Look what I did for God. Look at what God has given me to do. Jesus said what you do in secret will be rewarded openly. Just do it. Just do it. So God doesn't call us to this place of burden. It's the reason why Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. You know what a love relationship with God looks like? It's rest. But not rest like we think about it. It's rest in the soul. It's rest in the soul. I want you to consider that God isn't after what you bring to him. Here's how we, we, how we perceive relationship with God. Oh God, I bring you my burdens. And I bring you my weights. And I bring you my hurts. And I bring you my struggles. And I bring you my sinful acts. And my wayward thinking. And I bring you all my insecurities. And here, God, I'm giving it all to you. You carry it. You take it. But I want you to notice that the scripture doesn't say that Jesus said, come to me with all your burdens. Come to me with all your weight and give it to me so that then I can give you rest. He doesn't say that at all. Here's what Jesus says. Come to me, you who are burdened and weary. And watch this. And let me give you rest. You know what it is? You know what has to happen to take rest? You've got to unburden yourself and let it go so that you can receive the goodness of God. So that you can take hold of a new life. It's not that complicated. God's not asking you for your past He's not asking you for your junk. He's not asking you for what you call a testimony. If it's all about what you went through and it doesn't testify to Jesus, it's not a testimony. You're just dwelling on a test. There's no testimony in telling people about your junk. Tell people about your freedom. Tell people about your joy. Tell people of how God has transformed your life. What you believe now and how it's unburdening you, how it's opening doors for you. See, God was caring for Elijah. An angel shows up, gives him bread, gives him water. But Elijah was so weighed down with his fears, his anxieties, that he couldn't even appreciate what God was doing in that moment. He couldn't even realize that God loved him. And so he says, just kill me, God. You know what he was saying? My life isn't worth it. 
And I'm declaring to you today that your life is valuable. I'm declaring to you that God loves you right where you are. I'm telling you that no mistake, no burden, no anxious thought, no challenge, no misbehavior, no wayward thinking, nothing can separate you from God. Let me tell you what the scripture says. Because like Elijah, some of us are busy talking ourselves out of what God has for us. Instead of talking to God, we're talking at God. And we're telling God our junk and we're not realizing what he's already done. Romans 8, 37 through 39 says this. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on and give God some praise. Your mess-ups should, should, should not be your excuse to miss God. Don't miss God. He loves you right where you are. Don't complicate it. Don't give God your resume and all your mistakes. Don't. The second thing that we see here is that your teachability determines your reachability. Let me qualify that. Your teachability determines your reachability. Elijah had overpacked to such an extent that it was robbing from him in two areas of his life. It was robbing him from his ability to reach out to God. You know, we could get so weighed down in life that we don't even dare go to God. We don't even dare talk to God. We don't even dare step into a church amongst people. We don't dare to even pray because somehow we believe we're that far gone. Another, re another area that he was so over, that, that, that was impacting him because he was so overpacked on the journey of life was in his ability to receive what God had in store for him. I can guarantee you that as I am talking to, to some of you, as, as I'm sharing this message, there are some of you that for everything that I have said, you could tell me three things of why God can't work in your life. You're responding based upon what you've gone through. You're responding based upon a, a cracked lens that you still hold on to. And I am saying to you that if you are so weighed down that you won't reach for God or you are so weighed down that you won't even take a hold of what you're hearing in the truth of God's word, my friend, you are unteachable. And therefore, you can't reach for God and you limit God's reach to you. See, when you're teachable, it impacts your ability to reach for God and also to reach out and take a hold of what God has for you. Let me give you scripture for that. Psalm 86, 11 says this, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk and live in your truth. Direct my heart to fear your name. When it's talking about fear there, it's talking about an awe-inspired reverence. A submissive wonder. I want you to consider that teachability entails two things. 
a will that is inclined to live according to God's truth. If the truth in the scriptures is not your cup of tea, my friend, what you are drinking is bitter. It's poisonous. It adds nothing to your life. Adds nothing to your life. Your will is not inclined to the truth. And if you can't even open your heart to the truth in God's word, you are unteachable and therefore you are unreachable. What else do we see? That teachability entails a heart of reverence towards the Lord. It's a heart that says, I acknowledge that your ways are better than my ways. That your thoughts are better than my thoughts. That you can see what I can't because after all, ladies and gentlemen, last time I checked, you can only see so far with your eyes and with your experience. But God sees everything. The last point that I want to leave you with here is this. It's that the rest of your life is determined by where you find your rest for life. The rest of your life is determined by where you find rest for your life. Let me ask you a question. Where do you go for rest? What do you lean upon for rest? You know, we live in a day and age where rest is warped. For some of us, we believe that rest is, I'm going to binge on Netflix all day. For some of us, we think that rest is, well, you know, I, I just engage in some hobbies. For some of us, we think that rest is, you know, I listen to music. Or I go for a run, or I exercise. Or it's my social life. Can I say something to you? Rest, according to the scriptures, if you look at the word rest, rest recreates us. Rest refreshes us. Rest renews strength. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you watching Netflix. Nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you engaging in some hobbies or having a social life. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. But I will say this to you. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Netflix, people, hobbies, whatever it is you, you, you do for rest. Those things can touch your body and your mind. But there's only one that can touch your heart. There's only one that can touch place of belief. There's only one that can heal that place of hurt. Netflix can't do it. People can't do it. Money can't do it. Careers can't do it. Opportunities can't do it. Whatever you amass can't do it. None of that can fill you. The Bible says this, that we are to guard our hearts, for out of it flows the issue of life. And I am telling you today that what I am sharing with you the word of God that we are uh, heeding to today, that we are inclining our ear and our heart to today is life. It refreshes the soul. I'm telling you right now, it's not that complicated. It's for that reason that I want to leave you with this scripture as we stand and come to a close. In John 7, 38, Jesus says these words, He who believes in me. He who believes in me. I'm going to ask everyone to please join us in standing. He who believes in me. Who adheres to. Trusts in. 
and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from the innermost, from his innermost being, will flow continually rivers of living water. I want you to see what the scripture declares. Life doesn't flow from external things. Life flows from an internal experience with God. Today, I would ask you this. What are you carrying in your heart? How do you see yourself? What do you believe about your worth? What do you believe about your purpose in life? What do you believe in the face of when people hurt you? Or because of those things that didn't go the way you wanted them to? What, what is it that you're carrying? Because Jesus says, I want to heal you there. I want to teach you a new way there. I want to set you free so that you can travel light. Our lives are meant to be a source of refreshment unto us and others. Would you let God in? Would you let him work in you right here, right now? Come on now, if that's you and you're open to what God wants to do in your life, go ahead and give God some praise. Go ahead and reach out to God. Go ahead and turn to God. Begin to talk to God. Begin to cry out to him. And don't bring him the junk. Leave it. And say, God, my hands are open. My life is open to all that you want to do in me. I believe that right now, many of you are having a personal encounter with God. God is speaking directly to you right now. And you have the opportunity to reach for something so much more than what you've been clinging to and what has been clinging to you. It's very possible today that there's someone here, maybe you're here, maybe you're online. And today as you're listening to this message, as we come to a close, you're keenly aware of this. Man, I can identify with life feeling hard. It feels heavy. I'm tired. I just don't want to do it anymore. Sometimes I feel like I just can't keep going. I don't want to. My friend, if that's where you are today, I want you to realize that you're focusing on the wrong thing because while life may feel heavy, the fact that you resonate, that that resonates with you today indicates this, that you also find yourself longing for what Jesus promised. Come to me. Learn from me. You'll find rest for your soul. It's available to you. But you've got to reach for God. And to reach for God, you've got to begin to let go of what you've been through, of what you're carrying, of those erroneous beliefs that are robbing you of the opportunity that God is putting before you. You need God. You need God. And so today, before we close, here's what you need to know. That if that's where you are, God provided the very best thing for all humanity. You see, he saw us past our baggage. He saw us past our weights. As a matter of fact, he moved them completely to the side. He got rid of them. 
the scripture says that he came on a cross and spread his hands out. You might think that nails held him on the cross. No, it was his love for you that held him there. It was his love for you that said, I love you so much that I will pay the price for your mistakes. You made the mistake and you can't undo it because you're prone to continue to make mistakes. And so though I'm not guilty of sin, I will pay the price and I will reach out to you so that you can have freedom. I will die and I will rise again so that you can rise again too. If you believe that today, my friend, I want you to do something. Reach for God. Reach for God. What does that mean? Accept what God did for you. And so if you're in this house there, you're online, I want you to pray this prayer with us if that's where you are. You believe that God loves you, that there's a new life in store for you. If you're tired of traveling heavy, today you want to travel light. Pray this with us. If you're in the house, I want you to do something bold. Reach. Reach for God. Go ahead and extend your heart, your life to God. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. Accept God's plan for your life. There's nothing stopping you from reaching God because he's present. There's nothing stopping him from being in your life right now. Nothing can separate you from his love. If you're online, pray this with us. Accept Jesus right there. Let us know the decision you're making. We want to walk alongside you. If you're here in the house and you're accepting Jesus today, don't leave here without stopping by our VIP section. You are very important to God, and therefore your purpose is very important to us. We want to walk alongside you on this journey. Stop by. Pray this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again to pay the price for me because you love me. Today I declare... You are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And from this day forward, I'm traveling light because you've set me free. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.